0: Good morning, and peace be with you. I'd like to direct your attention to our bulletin here, and you may look at that at your leisure. But I want to point out a couple of things. Uh, At the very bottom, these flowers are uh, given by Paula in honor of her, her mom and dad, William and Irene. So we honor the memory of your mama and daddy there, Paula, and we're thankful for that. And I also want to thank the ladies that put together these beautiful bouquets every single week. And what a wonderful job you do. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful, too, that uh, every once in a while, um, more than I deserve, some of those flowers come home. And uh, my wife is very pleased with that, too. So thank you all um, who uh, donate your time and your money into putting these things together and to all who uh, allow us to celebrate their loved ones and special occasions uh, by doing this each week. So that's about all I got to say. We're going to We're going to talk about Christ crucified today, and uh, we're going to study what uh, Paul tells the Corinthians in regards to uh, our faith. So let's get started, Tim.
1: love, He who sits enthroned above For our lives He spilled His blood Set His Spirit like a flood Children of the living God Sing to the living God Sing of His gentle healing So oh, healing hands sing to the living God. Sing of the mercy that He gives, though we sin He forgives. Sing of the mercy that He gives. Sing to the living God. How He loves us with great love. He who sits enthroned above For our lives he spilled his blood Said his spirit like a the morning
0: your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord.
2: Have mercy.
0: For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah! Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast. A victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, graciously hear the prayers of your people that we who justly suffer for the consequence of our sin may be mercifully delivered by your goodness to the glory of your name through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated.
3: Good morning. Good morning. The first reading this morning is taken from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. And this can be found in your, on page 1201 in your Pew Bible. The prophet Jeremiah warns the Jews living in Judah that worshiping false gods, uh, that they will be destroyed. From Jeremiah, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The second reading this morning is Psalm 1. It's printed in your bulletin. This is a reminder that there are only two paths for humankind to take. You can choose one, and that leads towards righteousness and salvation, or the other path leads towards evil and destruction. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way the sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the land and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The, the epistle this morning is taken from Paul's first letter to the people of Corinth, Greece. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 20. And this can be found on page 1789 in your pew Bible. This is a reminder of the people of Corinth, Greece, that their promise of eternal life with Jesus the Christ is founded only upon their faith that Jesus is only the only Son of God and was raised from the dead. First Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with the first verse. and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born, But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, of all people, most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel, according to Saint Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Christ. Our reading, our gospel reading this morning is indeed from Saint Luke. It is chapter six, verses seventeen through 26, and it can be found on page 1600 in your Pew Bible. Luke records, He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God, Blessed are you who hunger now for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of of Man. Jesus in that day Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well-fed now, for you will go hungry. And woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. My parents encouraged me to begin reading the Bible shortly after I began learning how to read. My mom gave me the children's living Bible. It was a little tiny Bible, right? And it had lots of pictures in it, paintings and not paintings, but illustrations. And um, I was pretty thrilled with it. In fact, I thought it was not far removed from the Dead Sea Scrolls in that I didn't even know what the Dead Sea Scrolls were, but it was pretty important and it was a holy book and everything in it had to be right. I just as a child, right? It's the Bible, so it's got to be true in the pictures too. And at that time, you know, I thought that the books of the Bible were written in the order that they appear in the Bible. It makes sense, you know, Genesis through that one in the end, Revelation. And I also thought that the illustrations were authentic, you know. They were exciting. They were kind of my favorite part of the whole book. And I had that Bible until I um, started back into a men's ministry and a men's Bible study about 22 years ago. And it dawned on me, I better update my Bible. And I did. But the thing is, I found out as I have matured, I gave up childish ways and childish thinking. And I found out that, well, each book of the Bible was written by itself. And, and that there are many ways that the Bible and the books of can be arranged. Um, we have one that is uh, the canonical, canonical uh, Bible and it's arranged uh, by uh, a group that came together and, and, and they, they put down uh, uh, a standard by which uh, the books would be uh, put in, especially in the the gospel readings and and so i didn't have any real idea about our church history and how we got the Bible to be the way that it is and one of the things you know that even you know I'm learning all the time on this yesterday in our men's group, um, we read Psalm ninety and it was asked if this is the only psalm of that Moses wrote and i didn't know I knew that there were others i didn't know how many but You know, um, God knows everything, and Google is pretty close. Um, And there's uh, at least 11 uh, psalms that are attributed to Moses. But these are kind of the things that you learn as you go along, that, you know, if you're five or six, you're like, who's Moses? You know, maybe not. But, I mean, these are the things as as we go along. Now, here's another little um, interesting factoid that... um, Theologians, uh, scholars have come together to agree that um, the account of the resurrection in 1 Corinthians that we read about today may be the first written proclamation of the resurrection. And that's kind of strange to think that Paul's epistle to the church in Corinth was actually written down before the Gospels. But that's what those that study that sort of thing uh, have come up together as a consensus. So today's epistle was written to a church that had many struggles. And that city that, of Corinth was a really strategic geographical spot. It is on a uh, narrow isthmus that connects the two parts of Greece. And the citizens of Corinth along the sister city of Centuria had worked out a way to lift ships up out of the sea and then carry them across the isthmus. And then Place them back into the sea on the other side. And this turned out to be a huge saving of time for the ships. And consequently Corinth became very wealthy. And the only thing is this, is that Corinth also became very immoral. After all, what are sailors supposed to do while their ship is making it across land, across the isthmus? And so Corinth soon became a center of both moral and immoral forms of entertainment for the sailors that were waiting for the ships to be relocated. So in fact, Corinth became a verb. To Corinthianize came to mean to live a pagan or immoral life similar to the citizens of Corinth. Now, in spite of all of this, the Holy Spirit worked through the Apostle Paul to establish a Christian congregation in Corinth, and Paul spent a great deal of time in Corinth helping them with all of the struggles that a young church would have in the middle of such a corrupt, pagan and immoral culture. And we know for a fact that the members of the congregation in Corinth also sent several delegations to Paul even after he left the city. They still had struggles and they still looked to Paul to provide them with the guidance that he had from the Holy Spirit. And as a result, Paul sent at least four letters to the church in Corinth. And two of these letters survived and became what we know as 1st and 2nd Corinthians in our New Testament. And today's epistle reading comes near the end of the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. He has dealt with several of the dividing issues in the congregations, and at various points in his letter, he has encouraged, he has scolded, he has warned, and he has guided. And now, as he ends the letter, he gets back to the basics, and this is the part I need you to pay attention to from now on. I promise this isn't a long sermon today on Super Bowl Sunday. To the basics, Paul reminds them, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received and that is this, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with To the scriptures. And Paul reminded the Christians in Corinth that the most important teaching is that Christ died for our sins and that he rose on the third day. Now, today, there are many false scholars that insist that Christ's resurrection was a hoax. They insist that either the disciples or the early church fabricated a resurrection in order to jumpstart this new religion called Christianity. And the truth is, and it's sad, there are millions who buy into this false scholarship. Paul's words to the Corinthians not only tell us that Christ has risen, but they also challenge those who say he has not for those who deny the resurrection. The truth is you see that Paul followed his proclamation of the resurrection with a list of witnesses. Did you know that? He followed this proclamation with a list of witnesses who saw Jesus alive after he died on the cross. And when Paul states that these people saw Jesus, he doesn't mean that they saw a glimpse of him out of the corner of their eye. No. He is talking about the kind of witness who says he, well, He's talking about the kind of witness that you bring up on a court and it would be a slam dunk. He's not talking about some guy that says, you know, I was out in the woods and I saw Elvis and Bigfoot together. These were credible witnesses. He's talking about witnesses who had conversations with Jesus, who ate with Jesus, who touched Jesus. He is talking about first class, reliable, credible witnesses. Again, the kind of witness that you can put on a stand at any trial. And Paul reminded the Christians in Corinth that they could talk to Cephas, Peter, they could or any of the other 12 apostles. And then there is another group of 500 who saw Jesus. How many people do you really need to witness? And then to believe that it actually happened 500 beyond the apostles. Okay, so there are people out there that study mythology. And they say that you have to get far, far away from someone or something in order to start a myth about it kind of how lies work, but we'll go forward. You have to be far enough away so that no one can say, hey, you know what? I was there, and that's not how it happened at all. Or somebody else would say, you know what? My grandma, um, she told me all about it. She was there, and that's not how she said that it happened. You need a great distance in time or a great distance in space, so that no one can check out your facts. Further, Christianity does the exact opposite. Christianity starts in Jerusalem, where anyone can take a few hours and check out the tomb where any decent investigator can find witnesses to the people and the events walking on the street. And if you are going to start up a fake religion that depended on a fake miracle, you would not start it up in the very city where this fake miracle was supposed to happen. You do not start it up less than a generation after the miracle was supposed to happen. You just can't do that with a fake. You can only do it with the truth. And in this case, the truth is that the resurrection, that the resurrection is real. And the witnesses of the resurrection are not just credible witnesses because their accounts of the resurrection line up and make sense. No, there's more. They are also credible witnesses because they were willing to die rather than change their story. And no sane person would die for a story that he knew was false. And the fact that hundreds of martyrs gave up their lives shows us that the resurrection is The truth. Now, what does it mean that the resurrection is the truth? Well, it means that when Jesus was on the cross and he said, It is finished, then it really is finished. That he has taken all of our sins away from us and made us righteous before God. And it means that every promise that he ever made is true. It means that those who believe in him for the forgiveness of sins will live forever in the joy of his promise. So what does it mean that the resurrection is truth? It means that the loved ones that we have buried in death will not remain that way forever. It means that when we buried them, that we experienced a different kind of grief. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. Our grief is the grief of those who will be apart for a long time, but not forever. The resurrection means that the day will come when we will see our loved ones again. The resurrection means that when a believer dies, that the Lord takes him out of this valley of sorrows to himself, in heaven it means that he leaves behind all sin and sorrow all pain and all sickness all that make life in this world so hard and frustrating is left behind it means that he now waits in the presence of the lord his savior Jesus Christ, absent the body, face-to-face with Jesus Christ. The resurrection means that the day will come when Jesus will raise all the dead and will give eternal life to all believers in Christ. It means that the day will come when there will be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. It means that all those who wait with the Lord in heaven and all those who are still alive on earth will be changed. We shall all live in our bodies but these bodies will be immortal, heavenly, perfect bodies. They shall be our bodies but all of the corruption of the sin will be gone. This flesh is what we're battling against now. This flesh will perish, but a new body will be given to us, a perfect body. The Apostle Paul describes it this way in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 51 through 57, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed for this perishable body must put on imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality and when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality then shall come to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page three of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. Let us pray for all people in accordance to their needs. Heavenly Father, your kingdom has been made manifest in the preaching and miracles of Jesus Christ. Gather together your great multitude from every Gentile nation, from Judea's remnant, that many may know wisdom come in our flesh. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Grant, O Lord, that your people may always hold fast to the word that has been preached to them and not believe it in vain. Lord, in your mercy, preserve the family in all godly Christian homes Give parents diligence and persistence in their duties to teach the faith in word and example. and Keep all children in the promise that you made to them in their baptism. And let the patience, kindness, and endurance of Christian love have no end among us. Lord, in your mercy... O God, do not let our rewards and blessings consist in the treasure and goods of this world. Give us joy in every sorrow, knowing that if we have you, we lack nothing and will receive an eternal reward in Christ that cannot fail. Lord, in your mercy, be near to those who are troubled, by any unclean spirit, any memory or thought, and to the sick and all who need your healing, especially Miss Jackie's daughter Valerie. We pray for her, Father, heal her. We lift up Father of Ashley, George, for healing, Father. Send forth your power, In the name of Christ Jesus, that they would hear your word and be cured. Lord, in your mercy, bless all who trust in you and come to eat the holy body and precious blood of Christ for the forgiveness of their sins in this blessed sacrament. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, your Son is risen from the dead, and has promised that he will only be the firstfruits from among those who sleep. Preserve us in Christ Jesus with the hope beyond this life. Comfort those who mourn with the certainty of Christ's resurrection, and let us live in confident expectation. Lord, in your mercy, we entrust all these petitions to your care, loving Father, Confident in your great mercy for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is worshiped together with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace responsibly at a distance. Waves are good. who, sharing his life, he lived among us to reveal your glory and love, that our darkness should give way to his own brilliant light. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord. in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us together pray the and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. We take Jesus at his word when he says, this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. He didn't say this is kind of like my body. This is just like, I don't know, a really nice ceremony. Do this, because it would be really nice. He says, do it for the forgiveness of sins. We confess through our Lutheran confessions that this does rescue us from sin, death, and the devil, that it does impart God's grace upon us. It is not a symbol. It is a promise that was kept. When Jesus came from the grave yelling out, I have new life from, for you from the grave, he says that. Now, if this is your confession, then come, the table is prepared. program that I listened to many years ago and people would call in asking questions and oftentimes people were asking the question in such a way as how close to the edge can I sin before I lose salvation and the show was called to every man an answer So a better answer, (laughs) or a better question, is about Christ and him crucified. The better answer to somebody who is asking about the reason for your faith, a better answer is given to you through Paul in his letter to the Corinthians. Look into it, because someday there will be someone that has a question, and for that man... And that woman, I pray that you have the answer. And the answer is simple. Christ and him crucified. Amen? Now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
4: Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like this. Never- And as whole.